The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Personal Finance, Warren Ingram, Director at Galileo Capital and Executive Director there. He is a financial advisor in his own right. Does it always make sense to phase in your money into the stock market? Why don't you just keep the money in cash and then markets stabilize and then somebody rings a bell and then you buy shares and you get rich and life is good and easy. This thing of phasing money into stock markets, and I've confessed this before, Warren, that last year, because I'm smarter than everyone else in the world, I looked at my retirement annuity money and I went, you know what? Markets invariably end up going up in March, April and May. That's what usually happens. I'm not going to waste time phasing my pitiful little contributions to my retirement annuity into the market. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pop it all in at once. What happened a month later? But the stock market fell on its face. Um, And had I phased my money in, I would have bought a whole bunch of shares for less and be better off today. So what did I do this year? But I phased in my money. Uh, And so... What happened to stock markets from the 1st to the 31st of March? They went up. What did they do from the thirty uh, from the 31st of March to uh, the 30th of April? They went up. What did they do from the 30th of April to the end of May? They went up. I, so you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't is my point. I'm not sure that you that you are. I mean, I think you're um, you're, you're you're talking about the first, uh, l- let's say, ten meters of a ten thousand meter run. Um, and in in you know la- last year you were you, you started by running backwards, so so you were running away <laughs> from your goal, and and this year you've you've started running towards your goal, and and maybe you haven't. Um, started at you know flat out pace but but you certainly started in the right direction and you've got some energy banked and you know you've got that uh, you can deploy that energy over time uh, and and as things go you'll you'll get closer and closer to your goal so so i i, I think uh, your, your strategy this year was was good and i think you know the the, the difficulty with phasing in always is uh, it's so obvious in hindsight and i think that's what we're what we're talking about now is we're, we're looking at the markets having risen and risen very strongly and and then saying well you know that that was silly we should have just invested our money as lump sums and and you know written out the the losses the problem is that falling markets aren't aren't, uh, aren't as kind to us when we get the decision wrong the other way in other words you know, uh, my, my favorite example of all time will be, you know, investing your money on the 1st of January in the year 2000. And, you know, you know the, the world is going incredibly well. You know, technology is changing the way everything's going to work. Uh, you know, everything, the economies are booming. Everything is just going fantastically. And all of a sudden, the, the technology bubble bursts in America, but especially actually in those days, it was really the Internet bubble, the, the, um, in, in not so much a broader technology bubble. And and the stock market did absolutely nothing for people over a ten-year period, and that was only for people investing a lump sum at once. Anybody else who'd been phasing in for a few months before and a few months thereafter, or had started phasing in the middle of all of that that noise and the and the the, the disaster that was going on, they made money over that that last decade. So so I I think understanding phasing in is 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 to say that you're not going to aim for the very best returns you can possibly get. What you're trying to do is, is follow uh, the rule, rule one from, from Mr. Warren Buffett, which is don't lose money. 
And, and that's really the starting point of, of any sensible investment strategy is if you can make sure that, that you can sort of say, I've got a, you know, the 10,000 meter goal and what I need to do today is make sure I start running in the right direction and you know, keep going. And, and at some point I'll, I'll achieve my goal. Then you're doing the right thing. But, but to start off by running in the wrong direction is really, you know, th th that's the, the most destructive thing you can do. I mean, and, the and best. I think, you know, in an environment. Please go ahead. No, no, no. You finish your point and then I'll make my better point. So, <laughs> so in an environment that we're in now where, where the world is so volatile and, and there is so much news going on everywhere. I'm, I, I mean, I'm not even talking about, you know, just in South Africa. You know, we look at, you know, the deep fear that a lot of people have got about, you know, the Chinese government and Chinese regulators and the way they're, you know, perceived to be attacking uh, big companies and big, especially technology businesses in China. We, we look at the fears of inflation in America and, you know, what, what's the Federal Reserve going to do there? And, and, you know, around the world, you know, COVID's coming back and now there, there are discussions of fourth waves and fifth waves, etc. And, and the world's in a really kind of uncertain place. And, and so investors who are, you know, wondering now if they should just wait, uh, you know, sit on the sidelines, wait for things to get better. Uh, I, I think they're the ones that are really doing themselves a disservice because the world can be incredibly uncertain for many years. Uh, that, that doesn't mean stock markets don't carry on rising. And, and that's always my great fear in a time like this is that people just, you know, they allow, I, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing, it's logical that, you know, that, that we should be concerned. That, that, that's a, it's a rational concern now. But they allow that concern to over, overwhelm the, the other part of the logic, which is markets tend to be volatile, and that's the time they give you great opportunities to buy investments. And if you're sitting on the sidelines, you're missing out on all of those opportunities. And if you wait for things to get better, you're only buying investments when they're expensive already. And so you're absolutely hammering your ability to get any kind of return over time. This is the point that Julia makes, either direct or indirectly, over her 14 years of experience that uh, she shared with us for the last 10. Uh, and the fact is that she has added regularly, up until about three, four or five years ago, two investments each and every single month, contributing over a period of time, about a third of her salary over a 10-year period. Um, and where the markets were going up or markets were going down, Julia learned that you simply put your allocation into uh, your investment portfolio. Some days you pay a bit too much for your assets and other days you pay far too little for your assets. But over time, you build an investment portfolio. By leaving money in, in a bank account, in a current account, uh, and waiting for opportunity means that you're always second-guessing yourself. You never, ever are going to get it right even half the time. Uh, and so uh, slow and steady wins the race. It's classic rabbit and hare, um, sort of a tortoise and the hare, I beg your pardon, sort of tale. Absolutely. And, and, you know, to, to your point around that, you know, sitting with the money in cash and, and then uh, looking at markets, uh, my, my favorite uh, kind of country for doing proper research is the Americans. And they look at this and they say, well, over the last hundred years, in every market scenario you can think of over that hundred year period, what happens to investors who've put their money, you know, phased their money into, into the stock market compared to those that have had the money in cash? And, and it could be in the middle of a crash, it could be the end of a crash, anything, any scenario. In, in all instances, uh, if you say out of every 100 scenarios there are where, where you could invest, in only two out of 100 is it better for investors to have been in cash um, and, and sat on the sidelines for, com compared to those who just put their money in, in, in a phasing-in strategy 
and, and looking at what happens over, over the subsequent decade. So, so over 100 years of, of market history, you know, you, you take every single day out of that 100-year that, that history, and, and those are the, the thousands and thousands and thousands of scenarios that they're working on. And, and, and really, you know, two out of 100 times, you're better off in, in, in cash, which tells me those are awful odds. You know, I mean, <laughs> you probably, you know, you're, you're, I mean, to, to kind of say half the time, you know, half the time would be a reasonable, reasonable set of odds, but, but two out of 100, uh, it just tells me that, you know, phasing in is, is almost an, always a better strategy than, than, than sitting in, in purely in cash. There, there are people who, who would argue, the mathematicians would argue that, you, you know, actually what you should do is always just invest the, 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 your lump sums in, in one shot and, and don't worry about the market volatility. Unfortunately, uh, there are many more times where that strategy could actually hurt you and, and cause a permanent loss of capital. And so to me, you know, I want the best of, of all worlds, which is, you know, l listen to Mr. Buffett and don't lose money. And in other words, phase in. And if you miss out on some extra growth, that's okay. You know, but, but losing money on a permanent basis to me is never okay. And, and so I'm happy to kind of be the tortoise in this. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly wear that as a crown, in fact, and, and be proud about it. You know, I'm going to be the tortoise, but I am going to get to my, my, my 10,000 meter goal. And I'm not in a race with anybody else except myself. Warren Ingram is a financial advisor. He is a director at Galileo Capital, talking tortoise and hare strategies this evening and good, uh, good, valuable and not that common sense, frankly, um, because there's nothing common about common sense, but some good advice from Warren this evening. Then we've got an email, Warren, from Libby Richardson, who is a third year civil engineering student at Stella Bosch University. And Libby has a growing interest in investments. Now, Libby has a great question for us. She wants to invest in a company just one, with a very strong focus on sustainability or renewable energy. And she's wondering if you've got any advice because uh, pinpointing such a company on uh, the JSE list of companies doesn't seem like a productive way of going about it. So I'm going to make that your problem. Answering Libby Richardson's question, third-year civil engineering student from Santa Bosch University. We'll get to that question with Warren Ingram in a moment. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. So... Uh, I suppose it's logical to suggest that any company that doesn't focus on being sustainable is therefore unsustainable, therefore you shouldn't invest in it, Warren. I mean, is that too simple uh, an argument to make in this very big and complicated and quite messy debate around what is and is not sustainable? Yeah, it's a, it, it is a very nuanced uh, you know, issue because... For example, let's just talk about uh, you know a massive uh, oil company that you know that that makes most of its money from drilling fossil fuels. If if a company like that you know at the moment is will, will be uh, one of the biggest polluters and one of the biggest sort of destructors of the environment, if they decide to to turn their attention to to becoming an energy company as opposed to a pure fossil fuel company. And then, you know, more importantly, say we're going to, on a scale, you know, on, on a real big scale, start providing renewable energy to, to our, our customers. Uh, you, you know, they've got the history of being able to, to, to move energy from un deep underground, you know, into your car or into your house or whatever the deal is. They understand big business in a big way. And if a company like that decides to to move, you know, 30% of its of its energy uh, to to renewable energies, and over time, you know, goes to 50, 60, 70. Then, to me, that you know, that that they have a very good argument for 
for attracting sustainable investment money because you know the, the reality is that, that they can really move the needle they can really change you know, you know change the world whereas you know if if it was you and me bruce in in, in our in our garage and we decide we're, we're going to start a renewable energy company you know uh, on on no scale and just see what we can do you know we might be pure and and completely clean from from day one but but we might not have any impact on on uh, on anybody outside of our, our our own houses, and you know, potentially upsetting our wives because we've messed up the garage, and and so the reality is, uh, you know, I think that we can't be too purist in 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 a world like this. We've got to say, are are there are there companies making meaningful impact on on reducing, you know, whether it's the environmental issues, whether it's you know the the inequality, you know, whether it's you know racial inequality, governance issues, all of those. There there are so many big issues around around sustainable investing that that I think it is a, a massively complex field. And but the, the, you know, and, yeah, and I think question. Sorry, I think your your main point is there is no perfection. There is no pure play of a company that takes oxygen and hydrogen and turns it into the purest, cleanest water in the world or an oxygen purification company or a company that just plants by hand reseeds the Amazon rainforest. Those sorts of investment opportunities I don't think exist. And, and if they if they do, they're probably very small businesses that you know that that are starting out, and and then we've got to change hats and say you know if if your job as an investor is to grow your money as well, uh, you, you know then then you don't have to do it um, you know to the destruction of the of the world. I mean I think that's a terrible way, way to do things, but at the same time you, you need to focus on on creating you know creating sustainable financial positions as well, and that's where the world unfortunately is murky. And, and so I think that you know an element of pragmatism in this is, is critical, but but that doesn't mean that we allow greenwashing, for example, as well, or you know, where companies just you know tick some boxes on a on a spreadsheet to say no, no, we you know we comply because that you know that, that, that's also wrong. And I think unfortunately that's what happened here, um, you know, many years ago. There were sort of these you know green ETFs and, and green investments, and they were awful. So. To, to, to give Libby a kind of a, a, a clear point, I think there, you know, there are there are some big index providers now, um, you, you know, that have that have built a proper. The, the phrase Libby is ESG, uh, Environmental, Social, and Governance Investments, and and you can buy an exchange traded fund in South Africa. Uh, you know, if you just look for ESG um, exchange traded funds, you'll find you know a, a, a choice now. And, and you know the work that's being done by these index providers is good. It's not perfect, as we said, but but certainly you can start to allocate your money to to these um, exchange traded funds w- with a fairly good, clear conscience that you are helping. Uh, you know, and and at the same time, I think the next decade, two or three, uh, you'll actually see that you know these will outperform the more traditional indices and the more old world companies that don't adapt to to how the world is and needs to move. So, so I think ESG is a great theme. I think it's a great investment theme, just as a standalone thing. But, but actually, more importantly, you know, it, it is the way we need to allocate our money to force businesses to 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 change and move in the right direction. Fabulous, thank you, Warren. And then we need a phrase of the week. And this phrase, I'm not too sure whether it is on the top of my list or second on my list. I'm still getting over my hatred of the term innovation because it just got so badly abused and uh, and misappropriated and 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 utilized in the wrong way this phrase is 
fourth industrial revolution. It is a figment of the imagination of the World Economic Forum. Um, it's a wonderful way of describing a future, uh, perhaps, um, that is going to be, you know, artificial intelligence driven and, and the way in which it's going to work. But my goodness be, it's been horribly abused. It has been. And, and of course, uh, you know, financial services companies are never slow to to, to sell you a fashion, um, you, you know, and I think that, that that's what we've seen here. You know, there, there are companies that are selling fourth industrial revolution funds as if, you know, they're going to be the answer to all, all investment problems as well. Um, and, and so just briefly, you know, the, the term fourth industrial revolution, it's basically where, where technology in, in its broadest sense, whether it's medical technology, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, all forms of technology, intersect with, with uh, you know, the kind of the physical human world. Uh, you know, the most basic example I can think of is, we, you know, n- none of us, you know, kind of carry map books anymore. You know, we, we carry, uh, you know, maps on our phones and, and we tell the phone where we want to go and we listen to it, you know, faithfully, in my case, uh, until it takes us to where we need to be. And, and you know, that, that's a form of, of, of where technology and my human uh, requirements intersect. So it can be a big, uh, um, you know, game changer. But again, from an investment point of view, uh, you know, to, to be early on, on a theme like that is not necessarily the way to make money. You know, I, I'm happy to be a fast follower when I look at these trends. Uh, and, and, you know, I think we've got a real example with these vaccines. You know, the, the, the biotechnology involved in creating the Pfizer or the, the Moderna vaccines are, are real examples of how this is changing our lives already in a very rapid and very real way. But be careful that, uh, you, you know, that you think that all of these are just going to be great investments. Unfortunately, sometimes, you know, you know, there are only one or two of these that actually come out of this as high quality investment opportunities for individuals as well. Warren Ingram, Galileo Capital. Thank you, Warren. He is our regular commentator on everything to do with personal finance. Libby, I hope you're not too disappointed with the response, but that's the reality of the world that in which we're living at the moment. Thank you, Warren.